0: Hello, this is Catherine. Welcome to Friendly Anarchism. Do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself?
1: Hi, I'm Molly. I'm with Charlottesville DSA.
0: Awesome. I just met you for the first time, although other people in my crew have worked with you before. At Knoxville, which was just this last weekend, um, we were protesting Matthew Heinbach and the Traditional Workers' Party. They had a speech there on University of Tennessee Knoxville campus. Why did you come out?
1: Uh, I've organized that uh, with my Tennessee comrades a couple times before, so it's always good to come out and, and support them and stand in solidarity with them and uh, to be honest, you know we chase Nazis out of Charlottesville and it doesn't seem fair to just chase them into someone else's town and let that be their problem right so.
0: <laughs> yeah um, it's pretty intense that you were at Charlottesville and you stayed you stayed in the scene and you stayed strong. I think that's really impressive. Thank you for your work. I've
1: lived there ten years and I think I I haven't really cared about it as a city or been civically involved up until the last six months. So for nine and a half years, I had you know, no, no real civic engagement, and it's, a, it's been a wild ride.
0: Yeah, definitely. <laughs> it's been a really wild ride. Um, I know that that was an intense moment for me last summer, and um, one of the things about intense moments, is it seems like it would drive people out, but it seems to really just um, engage even more people and embolden our side of the movement as well. Like I, I got really dedicated into anti-fascism. I already was um, doing an anti-fascism. That sort of really made me like want to focus in on that and sort of take, help take care of that particular problem in our society right now. Um, I was really excited to be able to go out to Knoxville and stand against Matthew Heimbach. Um, it was pretty egregious that they were gonna let him speak e- even in the first place, but when his connections came out with the Florida shooter, it was just abhorrent that they didn't cancel the event. That was really shocking to me.
1: And they they could have said no. I mean, it wasn't one of those cases where, you know, somebody with big money and big lawyers like Spencer. Well, Spencer can't get a lawyer now. But, you know, somebody with big money who makes a request and gets a permit and books a venue. This was somebody who lied on an application, lied about being affiliated with a church when he booked the space. They had every right to say no, and they, they didn't. They opened the door and they rolled out the welcome mat.
0: Yeah, not only that, they rolled out a ton of cops. Like, it was crazy. Hundreds of, cops. Hundreds of co- so many cops! My lord, I got I got into town and we were immediately like, well, it's always awkward that very first part of an action when you're like kind of in block and walking down the street. Like I think one of my favorite sort of the dadaist parts of this revolution where like there's a group of antifa standing on a street corner waiting for a street light to change. <laughs> like, <laughs> friendly, friendly anarchists indeed. Yeah, I know. Just like, hi, we're fine. Please don't call the cops on us. We're just chilling. <laughs> And like I mean, you know, you don't f- fully block up till closer to the action sometimes. But there, w- there were so many cops, and like we were immediately followed on the way into the action, and uh, that sort of set the tone that they were going to um, push police presence really hard. Um, although on the other hand, they were kind of lazy because they just they got a ton of police, but then they just set up a kettle and asked everybody to walk in instead of like trying to do that in the first like <laughs> sort of on the ground. They're like pre-made that, that, kettle. It was just like so ridiculous.
1: That, that free speech pen, I, you know, in a lot of the conversations we're having in Charlottesville about revising our permitting process, they keep coming back to what a, what a great idea the, um, the stadium approach is, is what they call it. The stadium approach is, is going to say this It's going to be the future of, of permitted protest, and it's just, it's a free speech cage. Mm-hmm. It's, it's setting people up to be trapped. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I I walked that, um, I walked the space in Knoxville Friday night before the action to get a feel for, for where the exits were and, and where we maybe want to be standing, and I was looking at those pens, they're on a steep hill, and the forecast called for heavy rain, it was a steep, grassy hill, and I'm thinking, you know, if those students get in that pen, if they think that's the safe place for them to be, somebody's going to get hurt, Yep. because you're trapped in
0: there. Yep. And um, we, I feel like every affinity group that I talked to felt exactly the same way. We all looked at that and was like, well, that's a terrible, terrible idea. Not to mention they were going to make everybody unmask. They were going to, like, confiscate everything. Like, they wouldn't be – have no available food or water or bathrooms. It's like – I didn't, like, look into the specifics, but, like, I feel like that's a human rights violation <laughs> to not provide bathrooms for a public event. You know what I mean? And I think
1: I think they think it's going to discourage people from coming or make people go home, but – it, it doesn't, it just makes the action uncomfortable and unsafe.
0: Exactly, exactly. And some people actually went in, which I thought was shocking, but they're really, I mean, not shocking, it's not that surprising that some people thought that was still a good idea, but not very many. I was really, really happy to hear that sort of the other organizers and everybody was on the same page about definitely not just sort of calmly and happily walking into what felt very much like a trap. Um, it really does. I, I was
1: surprised, um, pleasantly surprised, the student organizers were. We're more radical than I thought, and we're we're on board with not getting in the free speech cage.
0: Oh, they were so radical! It was awesome. I had no idea it was going to be like that rad. Straight off the bat, one of the first um, chants, walking down the street once the march started, was "Hey Nazis, hey fascists, get the fuck up off our campus," <laughs> and like that just warmed my little Antifa heart, you know. Like <laughs> the the kids are all right. The kids are all right. Yeah it was awesome um and actually makes it a lot safer because uh um when the entire group is sort of on the same page about hostility towards the police presence i feel like you can actually sort of make the cops not as willing to engage you know i because they're not going to get support from the crowd if they see if the crowd sees the cops like dragging out other protesters you know yeah
1: absolutely and you'll you'll always have a little bit of that sort of um you know, that pussy hat resistance to shaking hands with the cops and thanking them for their service. But I-, I was glad to see less of that than I did last month at the Women's March.
0: Mm-hmm. I actually only saw one really hardcore peace police person who kept, like, coming up to us and throwing a peace sign. Like, I threw a peace sign right back. <laughs> it's like, what do you think we're working for right here? Like, we're on the same page. And, like, she was going around and uh, shaking hands with the cops and saying nice things to the cops and stuff. But that was definitely – they were definitely – far out, far, far outnumbered by the much more radical element in, in Knoxville. Um, I feel like we may be radicalizing a lot of liberals really quickly as they sort of see the systems fail, you know, and go, are going out in the streets in these protests and like actually yeah. experiencing it. Cause like I keep hearing, um, from lots of different organizers that liberals are actually witnessing cop, like police brutality to protests And it's sort of a shocking wake up moment about the true, um, like nature of our police state.
1: Yeah, you know, I think for a lot of, especially white, middle class liberals, there's still this, this need to believe that what you were told as a kid, you know, that if, if you need help you can go to a police officer and they're here to protect you, um, but that is, that is fading. I think, you know, once you've seen a cop crack somebody's head on the pavement or you've seen a cop wrestle a member of the clergy to the ground in the rain and drag mm-hmm. them out of the road, it's, it's it gets harder to believe that they're here to protect you.
0: Yeah, the cops sort of do us a favor because they're radicalizing people without we, us having to do anything. You know, and obviously it's terrible. It's obviously um, we don't want that to be happening, at all. But because it is happening, like we can't we can't help it. And like it's sort of just like we're also watching people radicalize because of the just like abhorrent actions of the police, which is sort of the nonviolent resistance model. You know, like we you know highlighting, helping helping people see and bring into the light of day the actual realities of of the situation, you know, um, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's, um, I mean, they were, they were looking for blood, honestly, these cops, they were, they really wanted to, like, beat some people up,
1: especially those young guys, I mean, it's, I mean, I it's redundant, but it's, it's frightening to see them there, you know, they're holding two batons, and they're, you know, they're, they got their helmets, and their riot gear, and but yeah, they're looking for a fight, Yeah. The only fight they—the only fight they found was with fucking clergy. Can I? Can I
0: swear? Sorry. (laughs) Yeah. No. Absolutely. No. I swear all the time. This is a very (laughs) swearing podcast. I can't like—I swear like a sailor. So you're you're good. (laughs) Um, Yeah. No. I mean, they were—they were out there with batons. It's like how how have we become so indoctrinated and like used to a police state where it's normal for who who the people who are supposed to be supposedly protecting the populace show up and face them down holding batons. You know, it's like, that, that is a direct violent threat towards the protesters, you know what I
1: mean? And I think it's, it's all in the service of, of normalizing it. You know, it's, I posted that video of, um, of those clergy being arrested. I got a lot of, you know, pro-cop responses, people saying like, oh, you know, they didn't really arrest them, they released them, they didn't charge them. It doesn't matter. They wrestled they them to the ground, they zip-tied them, they put them in a paddy wagon, then drove them around the corner and I guess released them, you know, somewhere else. But, but the point is, it becomes normal. You see it and it becomes normal. And eventually they stop releasing them.
0: Yeah. I mean, and, the, and the, those stories don't make it into the news, but uh, people in Mercy Junction were actually locked in, like, like, kept in a dark van without food and water or bathrooms for, like, two hours. And we do, we are going to be going and doing court support to them, like, they, for them in the end of March. So they, they are needing to go to court, you know, so it's not like um, the whole thing is totally over for them, you know? Right
1: just because you don't get convicted doesn't mean that you know the, the trauma of being put through the the court system
0: doesn't affect you well the trauma of being arrested and manhandled you know what i mean like that's scary as hell um especially because you
1: know pe- people are killed during routine arrests all the time
0: yeah yeah and without any sort of accountability from the police force so it's like it gives, it, it gives the police a go-ahead to basically do whatever you want. So the situation is terrifying. It's not just a normal like, oh, they're getting arrested and they'll let, let go. It's like the act of getting arrested when you know that the cops have gotten the green light from society to do whatever they want to you is fucking terrifying.
1: You know, um, we, we Charles paid an independent consultant to do an after-action report about August. Um, paid him $350,000, actually. Um, it's like 200 pages long, and I read it twice, and it's... Kind of Maybe want to burn the town down, but one of the things that really stuck out to me is that um, at our clan rally in July, the police chief didn't send in some of the younger cops uh, because their lieutenants were legitimately concerned that they would kill someone. Wow so the chain of com- the chain of command was aware that these officers were so thirsty for blood, so undisciplined that they may well murder someone if they were sent into a crowd, and that's that's just an acceptable way of doing business like those cops weren't let go their supervisors weren't let go like they still work there they still work in my town they still police my streets and we know that they may or may not want to
0: kill us yeah i mean i do krav maga i've studied um so that's a that's a the israeli defense forces martial arts and it's gross that it's israeli defense forces but like it's street fighting you know which is a nice skill to have as an antifa person um and in those a lot of cops take krav maga as well and um, and they do special classes, but I was talking to my instructor and he was saying that there are certain types of sparring and certain types of <clears throat> uh, lessons that he can no longer do with cops because they couldn't control themselves and they beat the shit out of each other to like a point of like, like a very serious point. Like there's a there's one kind of sparring exercise where you put one person in the middle and then you have, you know, three or four people on the outside and the people on the outside kind of like come at the person in the middle and the person needs to react and um, so that they can learn how, and you know they switch off so the person in the middle can learn how to react to being attacked from different from all sides and like have a situational awareness about it you know but like when you're sparring with classmates, when you're sparring with people you pull you pull your punches you know like you don't actually fully you just do the, you do the main motion so that you know that you did it but you don't actually like hurt or hit people in these sparring actions. And that's that's part of the discipline of it is like, when you're doing sparring, you make sure to pull your punches. And that's part of the discipline of martial arts and part of just the discipline of being in any sort of like violent situation that you know how to control yourself. And so like, especially in a classroom, you know, in a training environment, you don't want to actually hurt the other people in your class, right? It's just all about being able to go through the motions and know what to do and be able to react and have that situational awareness. And he had to stop doing that sparring. He could not, he cannot train cops and use that sparring technique. Like, that's disturbing as hell.
1: Because they, they want to hurt. They can't mm-hmm. help it. I mean, I, um, in December, we were, it's sort of sad, we were having a press conference outside of City Hall right before a city council meeting about, um, a, a, tax, a tax being given to a developer. Uh, so we're right outside City Hall, before City Council, downtown, in a well-lit area, well-traveled, um, and we witnessed a, a use of force incident. A, a police officer was trying to, I guess he was trying to de-escalate, he was doing a pretty shitty job de-escalating, he was supposedly just escalating this um, intoxicated homeless man, and it ended with him like picking the man up and slamming him into the ground so hard that he lost consciousness. And then he dragged his
0: body into an alley so that we wouldn't see him. Jesus, And, like, like <sighs> it's, like, I think because of media, because of, like, movies and stuff, people are just like, oh, that's fine. It's like, no, 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 no. Being hit unconscious can cause permanent brain damage. You know what I mean? Like, that's, it's, um, it's not something it can- that you just recover from. And it's just is, like, you know, people are not cartoon characters. People are not on a movie set. You know what I mean? Like, these are serious, like, injuries that are dealt on people, physical injuries of the sort of nature can cause can permanently disable people. You know what I mean? Or,
1: or kill them. Or even, kill them.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and, like, so it's not nothing. You know, Go ahead. Being
1: drunk in public. Being drunk in public isn't a capital crime.
0: Yeah. At that least not yet. That doesn't mean like. <laughs> yeah. You don't get. You don't get like vigilante murdered for something like that. And that's exactly the same thing when we're in Knoxville and these police are facing us down, hold like holding batons at the ready. At one point, they came up onto the sidewalk. So like the rule, the, the sort of rule of legality is that there needs to be space for people to walk along the sidewalk if you're inhabiting that space. So right. the cops, you know, it's like just a slightly wider than normal size sidewalk. And the cops came up and stood on the sidewalk, on the edge of the sidewalk and took that space which flattened the protesters out against this big retaining wall um, mm-hmm. on that hill. It was like, and so they're, they're, they're sitting there holding batons just a few feet away from these protesters, like if that's not no, if that's not a, that's exactly entirely an intimidation technique. You know what I mean?
1: It's a, it's a direct threat. I mean, the fashion weren't on the ground in Knoxville. They they actually their feet never touched the dirt, right? They parked in that police parking garage and they got escorted by a SWAT team into the building. Um, but you know, in in scenarios where they are on the ground, I've noticed the police face us. They they. Have, yeah. They literally stand facing us in their riot gear with their backs towards the fascists. They're, you know, they're literally and metaphorically turning their back on white supremacist violence and, and seeing us as the threat and mm-hmm. wielding their weapons at
0: us. Yeah, I mean, they even got they got escorted from the parking garage across a pedestrian bridge above the street. So they were legitimately never accessible. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, I mean,
1: they're, cow- they're cowards.
0: Oh yeah, totally. I mean, like that crowd was rowdy. That's what I was saying. It's like, um, you know, I'm, um, (laughs) these Southern protesters, it was a radical crowd and it was a rowdy crowd and it was super fun and super, um, encouraging to see that. And, uh, um, even with the heavy police presence, um, we were, we managed to keep the situation from being violent. And it's, it's one of those things where they're like, Antifa are bringing violence, that's why that's why protests get violence. And it's like, you don't understand the sort of, like, on-the-ground work that anarchists are doing and anti-fascists are doing to keep protests be- becoming violent, not just from fascists, but because of police maneuvers. Like, we did some, the group I was with, I was there with, did some real um, training on anti-kettling um, techniques. Like, we did some research, and we um, just had some on-the-ground, you know, um, understanding of like what how we were gonna manage, and you always have to sort of be flexible and be able to react to the situation at hand. And I'm really proud of it. I think we did an amazing job. The the you know not to like toot our own horn, but like I'm just so stoked, and it felt so good to be um, doing a service like that for the protesters because the cops were continuously trying to cut off the edges of the protest. They, you know, they do this sneaky thing where they sort of like expand their line past the edge of the protest and like bring a cop car up into an intersection and then like come in from the back and slowly add cops to the around the back edges of the protest and just sort of creep in. And like if you don't stop them from doing that, what they're doing is they're slowly creating a kettle. You know what I mean? Right. And like as yeah, soon yeah, as yeah. if you isolate the protest from the rest of the world, then they, can, they have free reign to do whatever the hell they want.
1: Right, you have to have that continued situational awareness so they, so they don't box you in, because that, that's where it gets scary. I mean, they, they chose a weird location this time. I mean, this, this, past, this past weekend in Knoxville, the location they chose was essentially unsecurable. I mean, the, the area around Ayers Hall has a 1,000 exits. It's, it's a, you know, a rabbit's warren. Uh, but, but generally speaking, they do. It, it, their primary tactic is to pan us in and make us scared.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. And if you're, not, if,
1: you're not, if you're not an experienced protester, which, you know, probably about half the folks there, I would say, weren't experienced in that kind of action, you may not realize until it's too late.
0: Exactly, exactly. You have to be constantly on guard about um, and, like, maneuvering around and keeping them from doing that, extending, you know, some of the anti-kettling techniques that we employed is um, when the cops try and, like, start going in, you spread the protest out into a larger area, or you have to make sure that the edges of the protest extend past the cop lines. So like if they start trying to get into one way, you like make sure that your edges are past theirs or you move or you just create or just you continuously move like you don't stay in one place. You know what I mean? So it's like having those couple of different options is really helpful. Or you c- or another wing is just like pointing out what they're doing, and then they'll back off. You know, that's what the heckling of the cops is sometimes, and like yelling at them is like, we see you. We know exactly what the fuck you're doing. Back the fuck up. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I know there's, there's
1: sort of mixed opinions on on heckling the cops and, and, and screaming at them. I have to run him in favor, if only because it um, feels good. You know, I don't, I don't really <laughs> think we're going to – I don't really think they're going to change hearts and minds. You know, some, some boy in blue isn't going to go home that night and think – you know, really meditate on, on that black-clad black protester who calls him a, you know, a filthy fucking class traitor. I don't think that's going to change his mind. But, but I, think, I think it's important to, to make it clear that we're, we're not here to cooperate. We're not just protesting the Nazis, you know, especially this past weekend. We barely saw the trad workers. What that was was a protest of the police state and of the state that, that supports and allows this, mm-hmm. this, fascist threat, this fascist threat to continue coming to our communities. It's... Um, it's not
0: just about Heinberg. Yeah, actually, there was a Fox and Friends um, little clip about it, and it was like incre- like hyperventilating about why are they, why are they? It, it, what they say? Oh, it's evolved into an anti-cop like <laughs> protest, and it's like it didn't devolve. it started there, <laughs> like, like from the very beginning. Even the clip that they showed of that chant um, of the "Hey cops, hey fascists, get the fuck up of our campus" yeah. um, was at the very beginning of the protest. You know what I mean? Like, that wasn't, it was from the, it's straight up, I mean, one of the real travesties of this protest was the police presence itself. You know what I mean? It wasn't just that Heimbach was speaking, it was, like, that there were so many cops called in, it's like, to protect this guy. Like, how much did that cost the city? You know what I mean? Like, how much did that cost the taxpayers? And, like, what was the, what was the point just to protect, to protect uh, Nazi, you know. So one of the one of the other things we did is is like an educational campaign with the with the megaphone, where you're saying like, you don't understand who Heinbach is. He worked directly with Golden Dawn, an openly fascist party in Greece. He was just over there to talk to them. Like after they were disappointed in Shelbyville, they went to a bar, found a biracial couple, and like beat the shit out of them. Like these people are yeah. looking for violence. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's not it's
1: not just about his, his free speech, you know. I guess there's no, there's no good Nazis. All these all these alt-right factions are are evil and they're violent and they want to hurt us. But I think um, it, it's easy to sort of miss the distinctions between them. You know, folks like Richard Spencer are respectable Nazis. He's not going to assault you in a bar. Uh, but box people, I I mean, I don't I don't want to be hyperbolic, but they're they're dangerous. I watched his speech. Um, I found the, the live stream video of it. I watched it twice. Um, they they're <laughs> this is gonna sound childish, but they're they're scary. There was this um several minute portion of the speech where he was there, he he's got a, a church background, I think. He's, he he gives a good sermon, and that's really what it was. But he was exhorting his followers um to die for the cause that mm-hmm. the most noble thing you can do mm-hmm is die, that, that, you know, following me, following this ideology will make you unpopular, but it's right, and it's just, and if you truly believe in the cause, you will fight and die for it. And they cheered, and they chanted, Hail Heimbach for several minutes. I mean, these people are not fucking around. They, it's, not, it's not just Nazi cosplay. They believe in this, and they will die for it. So when you face a track worker in the street, they're not going to turn tail and run if it gets rough. They, they will kill you, even if it means dying.
0: Yeah, yeah, no. I think it's totally fair to be afraid of them, and that's something that we need to admit too. It's like, I think sometimes we we go to that sort of soldier place of the bravado to keep ourselves motivated, and like, because you have to face down that fear. But some of, some of these fash are very fucking scary. That's the whole point. Like, that's why we fight them. Like, because if they get out of control, they want everybody except for themselves dead. You know what I mean? Like that's the that's right. the end goal of all, even the fancy Nazis. You know, I call I them mean, I call them the yeah. fa- they call them the fancy Nazis, um, like the, the ones that are going Nazi. to Amarin. You know, those are fancy Nazis. Um. I mean, it's
1: important not to let this fear paralyze you or keep you from organizing. I think I mean, for me, it's it's almost motivational rather than you know disincentivizing. But you have to be realistic about it because sometimes it does feel like like you're playing pretend. You know, mm-hmm. but, you know, cops and cops and robbers playing in the streets, but. People people have died and people will continue to die. Yeah,
0: mm -hmm. and like uh, part of it too is like educating liberals because I think a lot of people, it's this careful balance because you don't want to freak people out and make them paralyzed but people (laughs) also need to be taking the threat more seriously sometimes. You know, it's like it's not just about free speech. Because it isn't free speech. Like, this kind of speech, what they're trying to do is shut down actual free speech. If these people get into power, the first thing they do is going to shut down everybody's free speech. You're not going to be able to talk about this anymore. You know what I mean? So it's like, um, just sort of like having a better understanding of what a fascist actually is and sort of coming out of that sort of, like, scared haze that everything is fine and that it's a normal type of Situation, you know, but like it was really encouraging in Knoxville to see that. Like, it was a totally pretty radicalized crowd that were not taking shit, and um, it was uh, it was a lovely day, you know.
1: It really was. It was you know, like cold and wet, but overall, I, I I came away from it feeling like it was a pretty successful day.
0: I think so. Yeah, we won the day for sure, you know, and like um, and talking about like changing hearts and minds of cops. That's an interesting thing, because actually, uh, when we were up in their face, <laughs> there were a couple cops that looked like they were gonna cry. <laughs> good. Like, yeah, it's like good. You know, our our issue with you ends when you turn in your badge. You know what I mean? Like, right. So it's like I don't think that's not really a, it's not necessarily a goal, but it's not it's a nice side effect if our like just like open, just like hatred and disdain of these people like pointing out the fact that it's like. You understand this? you're a bastard. If you can wake up in the morning and go to your job that requires you to, like, steal homeless people's shoes, like, you suck. You know what I mean? Like, that's...
1: Like, enjoy, enjoy
0: the overtime pay that you got for
1: guarding a Nazi's truck all day. Just standing in a parking garage, holding your machine gun, guarding some fascist pickup truck. Good
0: for you. Good for you. And, like, threatening unarmed protesters with batons. At, you know, at one point, actually, a cop car tried to run over some anti-fascists. Um, it was really it was really scary. I, w- I, I didn't see it specifically, but people in my crew is, it happened to people in my crew at the same time as um, when we we took the streets at the in solidarity with Mercy Junction, who was the Christian radical Christian anarchist group that um, got ended up getting arrested, right the the clergy. Um, they took, they had taken the streets down on the western end of the protest, so on the eastern end of the protest where we were, we also took the streets in solidarity trying to, like, cut it down. When we did that, the cops came at us fast, but with batons, like, ready to beat the shit out of it. Like, they obviously, in their mind, were excited and ready to, like, get some blood. And, like, that's the same time that the car had tried to, a uh, uh, squad car had tried to, um, just, like, came straight at these protesters and we backed off onto the other side of the street and they backed up. Um, we were you know we were loud and it got like really obvious that they were not gonna get support for this action and it was like too public, like you said, that was a pretty undefensible space. I think that they do you think I think they were arrogant enough that they seriously thought people were gonna go into that kettle you know, I mean, they, they built that big, beautiful pen,
1: I mean, they must have spent some time on it, but I think, you're right, I think they really did think we would go quietly into the cage, <laughs> because so, cause in the past, you know, we have, like, at the, the Women's March in Knoxville last month, those ladies very peacefully went into their pen.
2: Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> I, think Shelby- and I mean, and 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 Shelby- Shelbyville, yeah, and Shelbyville, same, you know,
1: it's-
0: well, I think Shelbyville, like, for, I wasn't there, but from what I've heard, is sort of like the only the way that the geography of that situation was like you kind of had to be in there.
1: They blocked it off so, so like sufficiently for so many blocks that really that was it was the only option. Um, and again, it's it's the normalization of the police state that um, in order to express my free speech, I had to submit to a pat down from TBI. Like that's that's not
0: right. No, it's not right. <laughs> it's definitely not right. No, and so. Um, I find that there's this balance that we're needing to try and hit where we're dispelling fear and like creating a fun environment. I think it's fun. I think it is fun. You know, just like making I it do. sort of make it sort of a more, uh, I don't know, more palatable in some ways for where it's just like we're not taking the cops seriously. There were, We did some really fun <laughs> Anti cop stuff. At one point, they were like walking down the street with their batons at ready, like in lockstep, and we took the <laughs> megaphone and was like. Burr, 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 burr. <laughs> you know, and like that got a laugh. And one point the a, a, a cop car came around a corner and went whoop. And so, you know, in the megaphone you have a little siren thing. So <laughs> it goes whoop. And thing. we went, and so we right back went whoop. And then they went whoop. And we went whoop. And they went whoop. And we went whoop. And then they got pissed off and like drove off. <laughs> what a fun call and response. Exactly. It was great. And so just like stuff like that at the same time as taking the threat of the cops very, very seriously, you know. Yeah. It was hard because that was a long protest. Like, that was, like, five hours in pouring rain. You know what I mean? Um, Yeah. And, like, that's over lunchtime. And I swear to God, I I burned, like, 6,000 calories. (laughs) Because we had to do – it was a really big protest. It was really long, especially because they had us, like, like kind of squished to that sidewalk area for a lot of it. And so the march was kind of, like, moving up and down that street. What was that street called? Um, Cumberland? Cumberland, yeah, so, and so, like, I'm just spending the entire, basically, entire time running, and then, like, jumping around to, like, get people um, sort of excited, and marching and everything, in pouring rain, and it was, like, it's fucking exhausting.
1: (laughs) It's a very physical experience, I think, according according to the app on my phone, I walked 14 miles that day.
0: Holy shit, yeah, that's a lot. Oh, my gosh, I should get an app, that's fun. I should should just wear a Fitbit. (laughs) Right. That'd be so funny. And it's uh, encrypted Fitbit, though. The, the anarchist uh, workout regimen. Just like go to a protest now, like every, you know, once a week and like burn <laughs> half of your body weight away.
1: Yeah, who needs a gym membership?
0: Exactly. Just go fight some fascists. It's exactly, it's basically the same thing. But I think that,
1: I think you're right, it's, um, it's an important role of, of experienced protest groups generally and Antigua specifically, is both managing both safety and mood. Um, Mm-hmm. Because people who are experienced with neither, you know, they, they may do things that are unsafe or they may get scared, or both, probably mm-hmm. both. Uh, and so keeping the chance going, having the megaphone, keeping the kettling from happening. Um, and, you know, there's, like like we were talking about before, there's, you know, mixed opinions on harassing cops because there are people who feel like um, that escalates the situation, and when you escalate a situation, you unintentionally endanger the most marginalized. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but from where I'm standing, it, it's almost... I don't, want to, I don't want to discount those people's feelings, but, but when the black bloc antagonizes cops, they're not leaving those marginalized people out to drive. They're putting their bodies between the protesters and the cops.
0: Mm-hmm. That's how I feel. You know, right.
1: you're, you're not escalating just to escalate. It's,
0: well, I'm going to say... In, it's intentional. I'm going to say, though, that um, it really does depend on the situation. I, the Tennessee cops... I, I'm from Oregon, right? And the Tennessee cops are a totally different breed than Portland cops. Um, <laughs> and like, and the situation is a totally different thing. Cause like you, I was encouraged because you do have to have support, um, in, in a lot and in, in some way from the rest of the protest and from the liberals, because if you're heckling yeah. cops, but you are then isolated, if you get isolated from the rest of the protest or if the rest of the protest is in fact antagonistic to you, that that just sets you up to get arrested and beaten. You just straight up. You know what I mean? Right. Like you like, that's, in, that's kind
1: of- that's gonna look great on Fox
0: News. Yeah, exactly. And you know what I mean. And so, like in Portland, it was a really scary situation because the cops are very good at isolating the block from the rest of the um, from the rest of the group. And the liberals in Portland are very hostile to anarchists <laughs> in general. And so it's like it becomes a very unsafe situation in which to be antagonizing the police. You know what I mean? Um, and so like that isn't. So it it does it does in fact matter. The particulars of the situation that you're in really do matter, and so one of the reasons that we do need liberal support is because we are kept safe by them being on our side um, absolutely you know what I mean because if, if they don't care that we get isolated and take, <laughs> if they want us away you know what I mean then like then we're away and we, we are completely yeah. vulnerable to police brutality and I
1: think that maybe is the difference between the um you know having been in Knoxville like twice, 30 days apart for different actions. Uh, the women's march was, like, I mean, you, you saw me. I'm not intimidating. I wasn't even masked up. I just, you know, was there to protest and was all in black. And I was getting some side-eye from those pussy hats. And they were not in favor of, um, I'm not sure who it was that showed up and blocked um, that, that action, but it was it was a very different reception than it was this past weekend.
0: Mm-hmm, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> and, yeah. um... um taxi cops aren't as militarized as portland cops either like everyone's like oh they're in riot gear and i was like what they're in like orange vests and little face shields that's adorable (laughs) (laughs) there was one swat car that drove by that had like the full militarized full blacks with like armor you know and it's like that's what a cop looks like to me well i saw some guys in um green
1: tactical gear which looked Federal to me. They were or, National,
0: or National Guard. Guard. There was actually a yeah. National Guard presence too, but it was weird because like, they, there was like three of them that showed up. Um, there was like three that showed up at the back and then we saw them and then they like slunk away and got replaced by beat cops and I was like, I don't know what that was.
1: <laughs> I mean, they were ready. they were ready for a riot. They're in constant communication with the fascists. I mean, I know when they, when they come to Charlottesville for their, like, small pop-up events now, they have a cop liaison. The cops know exactly what's going to happen and how many people are there going to be. So you know all these cops in Tennessee knew there were going to be 30 trag workers and they would never touch the ground. So those cops, those cops weren't there for the event. They were there for us. So, oh, yeah. You know, when they, when they rolled out the fucking National Guard in their green flag, like, that wasn't for the Nazis. That was for us.
0: I think we did a really good job sort of... I mean, at, like, one point, it was getting really intense, and we played some music through the megaphone, Um, We kind of, like, de-escalated the situation a little bit, Um, and, like, so that, you know, so, like, there's all of these tricks to try and, like, balance, you know, on the other hand, you know, on the other hand, too, though, it's like, you know, we obviously do want to cause a ruckus, um, but you have to kind of, they were, they, one rock (laughs) might have, like, blown that entire thing up, you know? Which obviously yeah. is an incredibly oppressive state where it's, like, a cop in full riot gear gets hit with a rock and uses that as an excuse to, like, um, brutalize and arrest huge numbers of people. You know what I mean? I mean, it's the
1: Boston Massacre all over again, you know? One rock.
0: One rock. Same thing happened in May Day in Portland last year. Oh. Just, I mean, I think there were more than one rock. It was a couple rocks, you know? So, so Still, obviously, I mean- it's more reasonable.
1: <laughs> or not even a rock, you know, if they, if they just get nervous, if they get scared. I mean, that holds up in court all the time, right? a cop gets a little bit nervous and kills somebody, who could blame him? Right, exactly. I mean, his life
0: was obviously in danger from these unarmed protesters, you know what I mean? Like yeah. It's ridiculous. Um, it's,
1: and it's not getting any better. I mean, sorry. <laughs> a, little, a little space sitting here in my hot fire. I was up uh, uh, at a city council meeting last night, so I was in city council chambers from 6 p.m. to 12.30 a.m., Uh, And then I got up this morning to drive to Chapel Hill for um, a YDS action there. um, uh, One of the professors there is a member of Redneck Revolt, and he's been getting death threats, and the students are organizing a protest against that. Um, But at our our city council meeting last night, one of the things we were talking about was um, revising the permitting guidelines for special events, as though, you know, tightening the rules about permits is going to keep what happened over the summer from happening again, as though Nazis really are going to be really particular about getting the right permits for things. Mm. Uh, this, This just ends up, Hurting us, it's going to be harder for us to organize and have
0: events. I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> one of the one of the things that tends to happen is that liberal uh, people, sort of in the electoral sphere, try and help. But any sort of like restrictive measures that actually do start to um, um, cut into people's rights, even if they're like supposedly targeted fascists, any time you create that precedent, it's going to it's going to inevitably be used against the left you know what i mean every time at at one point last year ted wheeler the mayor of portland um decided to um just unilaterally by the city cancel the protest permit for a fascist for joey gibson because um there was outcry about him being given the the um, permit to do that but the thing is that joey gibson had actually gone through all of the proper channels in order to get that permit. And so what, what that precedent was, was government overreach in canceling sort of a, what, what was a designated free speech thing. Like you right. should, you know what I mean? So it's like- That's, so, a, that's a lawsuit now. Yeah, and, and, so, and so like at the time, I actually like the way the narrative was run in the media, I was kind of like, oh good, they canceled the protest. But then I saw a statement from Rose City and Tifa and they had, like, laid out exactly why this was a terrible idea. And I was like, oh, shit, they are completely right. Like, I had not even thought about that, because, like, the general media narrative was like, yay, we stopped the Nazi protest. You know what I mean? And there's this whole underlying sort of, um, there's this whole underlying situation there that needs to be accounted for when, it, when you talk about the bigger picture. Yeah.
1: Uh, you know, I'm, I know you know this. You're an anarchist. But there, there is no status solution to this. The state is not going to save us from this. But... Um... My my chapter specifically, um, Charlottesville DSA, we've been really involved in, in hyper local electoral matters, um, specifically specifically for the last six months, uh, and it's it is it's infinitely complicated. It's it's not a matter of what's right or wrong, and it it's as gross as it is. One of our council members said last night, uh, this is direct quote: "There's no point in doing something for a moral reason if you can't win in court," hmm. which is a horrifying and gross. That's sentiment, an awful but I guess, thing uh, to say. God,
0: that's
1: but it is, awful. But, But at its core, I guess that is the guiding principle of what they're trying to do, is they can't just say no to Nazis because they will lose in court.
0: But here's the Uh. thing, though, is that the courts, obviously, like, the court system is entirely skewed and unjust. So, like, basing, that's the thing, is, like, when people base their moral values off of, like, something um, designated by the state, be it the court system or electoral politics, like, that is not, that is a terrible, terrible way to, like, determine moral values. You know what I mean? It's like it's the idea that's up- like, don't try to be, up- a, don't up- even bother, up- don't even bother being a good person, trying to be a good person because like, our state says that it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Like, of course it, the state doesn't think it matters. The state is an entirely immoral construct. Right, and you know, I think there's,
1: there's opportunity here to set precedent. Go ahead and do what you think is right. Get sued, try it. You'll, you'll be a hero even if you lose. Just fucking try to defend us for once.
0: Yeah, I mean, exactly. It's like, being a good person is generally the right plan. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, <laughs> if it takes a long time or like, it doesn't seem like it's done anything at the moment, it's like living by some moral code and values is, is the right way to go. <laughs>
1: you know? Well, to be fair, I think Mike Singer's moral code and value is, um, it's some neoliberal shit. So I think maybe he is living by his code.
0: Ah, (laughs) I obviously disagree that that's where I obviously think, you know, under an oppressive state, the right way to go is to protect the oppressed by, by any means necessary. Right.
1: It's just not what we're seeing. It's it's disheartening. I mean, some of the, the provisions they passed last night, um, They were trying to amend it so that any gathering of 10 or more people would require a permit, which is just some dystopian bullshit. 10 people? people? 10 people is is a luncheon,
0: not a riot. Yeah, (laughs) oh my God. I mean, that's incredibly authoritarian. One of the the signs of an authoritarian state is is restricting the ability for people to um, get together in groups. You know what I mean? Yeah,
1: and just criminalizing
0: being outside together.
1: I mean, it's it's wild. They eventually amended it to 50. And this is, I mean, again, electoral politics are, are not where I think we're going to build our power. But if, if we're not there, if we're not exercising what they um, condescendingly call the heckler's veto, those votes go differently. If we're not there, yelling and standing in our seats, which, I mean, you can see the, the video archives of those city council meetings. I think they are perhaps unusual in terms of, of city council meetings in the broader scope. But, I mean, if we're not there, they, they would have left it at 10, you know? And it's, it's yeah. scary.
0: Yeah, no, it's really important, I think, to be pushing back on all fronts. You know, so I appreciate uh, our DSA comrades who are out there, like, because, man, I've been to the electoral stuff, and I just, I just, it was so suffering. I would much rather be in the street, you know. I Shame. So, oh God, so, like, thank you for that. Like, I just can't handle it.
1: <laughs> and so, at the, at the end of the meeting last night, um, they had one of the they had a thing they were talking about was, you know, it's already against state law to impersonate a police officer. That's already against the law. That's already a crime. Um, but one of the things we saw over the summer was confusion about, what was a Nazi militia group, and what was a cop. And so they're they're trying to build into the permit regulations that you can't look like a cop, which is a good sentiment, but again, it's already against the law, and the language in, in the ordinance is so vague mm. that it's kind of just up to the officer's discretion whether or not you may be ostensibly pretending to be something you're not. And instead of just limiting it to cops and soldiers, they included medics. Oh. So. So now they're saying if a cop looks at you and could reasonably believe that you may be pretending to represent yourself as a quote unquote real medic, it is now an arrestable offense. Holy shit.
0: That's so fucked Which up. Is I mean, they're going to like come up to like anybody. Terrifying. I mean, yeah, I mean, they already were like, ha- like you know, like messing with people who had band aids and water, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So it's like now they have the right to say like you're not a registered medic, therefore you can't wear a, two pieces of tape that are red on your shoulder, you know what I mean? Right, like,
1: like no, nobody's confusing a street medic with a paramedic, like no one is. That that's never happened. Some guy yeah. in a jean jacket with a bunch of pins on it doesn't look like he's professional EMS. Yeah.
0: Yeah, because <laughs> he's not, but, but that doesn't mean the- you can't, like, that, I mean, that doesn't mean you can't help, like, that's ridiculous, right. like, you need all on but- the ground, I mean, anybody who was in, I remember very clearly, I had a friend who was in Charlottesville at that corner with the vehicular attack, and she was saying, oh my god, thank god for the Antifa medics, they were right there, I don't know what would have happened to some of those people, yeah. you know what I mean? Because, it's like, you, you need, you need street medics. Because on the
1: clock, paramedics cannot enter a scene if it's deemed unsafe.
0: So mm. only
1: antifa medics are going to be there when it's unsafe, and you know when you need fucking help when it's unsafe. Yeah. <laughs> so what I mean, what they're trying to do is if, they, if they're criminalizing this, you know, "quote unquote" impersonation, it's Jeez. just a you know a crooked crackdown. If, you know, they can't say you can't you can't provide medical help, but they're making you scared, so making it harder to organize. And so at the end of the meeting last night, I said, you know, we have five counselors, and two are very much on our side, and two are very much never going to be on our side. Mm. And there's there's one swing vote and i think you know she means well and i think she wants to learn and i and we're you know we're recording her vote on some issues and so i approached her after the meeting and i said hey i know you know i know it's short notice but if you want to experience some of the things you're voting on uh, if you want to see what an anti-fascist protest looks like up close you can come with me to north carolina tomorrow
0: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> and you know she laughed and she said you know, you know as a family obligation i can't go but yeah, I think that would be a valuable experience for her and for others. But, oh, you know, yeah. If you want to, legi- if you want to legislate these actions, come stand with me. I'll keep you safe, but I need you to see this.
0: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It seems like the only people that don't like Antifa are the ones who have never met us. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Um. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's. I mean, if you're yeah. talking, I'm just sort of shocked by that news because you're also talking about people who are wearing armor. I'm sure they're just gonna say like, yep. oh, I mean, they've already said that they are. You know, they already like try and keep people from wearing armor. It's like you understand that people wear armor because they get attacked by fascists and cops. Like I know multiple uh-huh. people whose lives have been saved because they were wearing armor. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, imagine if DeAndre Harris had had a helmet on. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly.
1: Or if the cops have done their fucking jobs, I guess there's a number of outcomes here. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: Exactly. Right. A moment of silence for that. (sighs) It's
1: a mess. I mean, it's all still in court, too.
0: Yeah. There's just so many situations like that. It's, like, demoralizing and hard Mm -hmm. to keep track, you know? Yeah, and it, you know, so I'm
1: less than employed right now, which is, you know, has its pros and cons, um, but it's given me a lot of free time to, to go to these court hearings, and it's, it's been enlightening, and you know, court support is important, it's important to show solidarity with the victims, mm-hmm. uh, it's, important to make, it's important to make the fascists afraid and let them know you're watching them, um, and my personal hobby of roasting them on the internet, but it's, it's also fascinating to see how the court is handling this, because I, I think this is, to some degree, unprecedented, at least in my small town. <laughs>
0: Mm-hmm. And do you want to actually talk about your online work as an anti, your, anti, <laughs> your anti-fascist online work? I, I guess making fun of a, a
1: country bumpkin lawyer is anti-fascist work now. Um, <laughs> so for, for those who may have missed it, um, Chris Cantwell is the crying Nazi. You mm-hmm. probably saw the video <laughs> of him, the the Vice News documentary of him crying when he found out uh, someone had a warrant out against him for spraying pepper spray into a crowd on August 11th at uh, AUVA. So he is tied up in a number of legal situations. He um, he has been charged with, um, with a felony for um, spraying pepper spray into a crowd. Uh, the two felony charges for pepper spraying two specific individuals didn't get certified for grand jury, so he's just up on the one charge. Um, and there's actually a control date tomorrow to set a new trial date because the trial got delayed. Uh, but then <laughs> What, what, the mistake that he has made is filing a civil suit against the two accusers. And so, even though he's still, like, his criminal trial is still ongoing, he has a civil suit now. And it is, it is a piece of work. I mean, I'm, I'm not a lawyer, obviously. I'm just an <laughs> unemployed internet anti fascist. But um, his lawyer, Elmer Woodard, go ahead and Google him if you haven't. Google mm-hmm. Elmer Woodard. Look at his face. Look at his um, war reenactment cosplay and his shack of an office. Uh, he's a joke, and it's it's funny to watch him in court. It's funny to watch him read portions of the Constitution to a judge who has his eyes closed because he wishes he were dead. <laughs> or to, like, to sh- he has, a, like, a stack of 100 sheets of loose-leaf paper that aren't numbered or paginated in any way, and it's just, like, printed out screenshots of tweets, and he's, like, shuffling them all over the ground. and You know, he's a, he's a fucking joke, but at the same time, he is Cantwell's lawyer. He's Richard Preston's lawyer. Richard Preston is the man who fired his gun at Corey Long. The, you've seen the picture of Corey Long with his improvised flamethrower.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, so Richard
1: Preston fired a gun into a crowd.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: and he is Jacob Goodwin's lawyer. Jacob Goodwin is one of the assailants in the assault from DeAndre Harris. So he's defending at least three Nazis that I personally know of and have seen in court. And he's um, he's bringing the civil suit, which, you know, I don't have a lot of confidence in his ability. But it's... Uh, it's a lot, um, and you know that the lawsuit is full of um, gross misgendering. You know, one of one of the defendants, one of the defendants in the civil suit, one of Cantwell's accusers, is a transgender woman who is a prominent activist in Charlottesville who has put her life on the line. I mean, Cantwell's followers have posted her address on the internet a variety of times. Um, she's been swatted. Luckily, she and her wife weren't home at the time. Uh, she gets death threats all the time. Cantwell published a. a a, a crude drawing of her being run over by, a, by the same kind of car that feels used in the, in the vehicular attack, uh, it doesn't stop. I mean, it, it's easy to to laugh about what a bad lawyer he is and how this suit's going to go badly and what a fucking joke Cantwell is. But if he, he, he's on the streets right now. He's, he's not in custody. Mm-hmm. Um, and if he's not convicted of this trial, he'll be, you know, he'll be a free man. Oh, man, I kind of lost my train of thought. But I guess my point is it's, uh, it's a lot to keep up with, and it's, it, but you have to. Somebody has to keep tabs on what's happening because I mean, he's making death threats. He has a podcast that comes out four mm-hmm. times a week, four fucking times a week for oh, two man. and a half hours. Yeah. That's like 10 hours of content a week. Um, and if you're listening, Chris, the podcast sucks but I do listen to every minute of it because you are incriminating yourself on live radio,
0: you fool. I know. Some, um, I feel like some of, some of these Nazis, the only people that are listening to their podcasts are fucking Antifa. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I mean, I had, I had a similar situation. I was um, uh, Jake Lasky, who's a prominent fascist on the West Coast. He organizes with American Front and he hangs out with Wolves of Vinland. Um, He took a liking to me after he was um, unhappy about the way he was portrayed in a Eugene Weekly article that I was also in. And, like, I wasn't the only one. Like, there were other people in that article, and he was just sort of, like, pissed off at everybody. Um, But basically, I started just, like, tracking him very closely, obviously for my own safety and the safety of others. Yeah. And he was so prolific. Oh, my God. With, like, just, like, all of the social media. You know, he was a propagandist. And so it was just, like, keeping up with him was just, like, fucking exhausting. Especially, like, the emotional energy spent listening to these, like, disgusting fascist rants can be, like, really trying. Oh you know what I mean? I think it's a real community <laughs> service. And um,
1: I spent a, a lot of time walking around my house with my headphones and just sort of swearing at the air, you know? Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, yeah, nope, yeah. And, uh... But-
1: but I have, the, I have the time and the emotional resources to do it. And, you know, things like um, Eli Mosley said on a podcast uh, a few weeks ago, uh, Cantwell is in town for, for uh, another hearing, and he's living with Eli Mosley right now. I don't know if that's, like, accepted fact, but it's sort of obvious. So Mosley came down with him for the hearing, and uh, he left early to go get the car. And on the podcast, he was saying that he's sitting in his car outside Congregation Beth Israel, uh, Charleston's only synagogue. Uh, and there's a, a day school there for small children. And he was sitting in the car, watching the kids come out of the preschool in the little yarmulkes and just laughing oh, about God. imagining gassing them. Oh, God. And, like, that shit has to make its way back to the synagogue. They have to know that synagogue hires private security to keep those preschoolers safe. They're paying out of pocket mm-hmm. because the city won't protect them, and they're scared, and rightfully so. And mm-hmm. so, like, threats like that, I mean, they exist, and they're out there. They're on the Internet. And they're on those podcasts. know but you have to
0: you have to keep trying you have to dig for them and I think it's good that white people generally are doing that I mean obviously not all Antifa are white but a lot of us are yeah and um and then you know I mean anybody doing anti-fascist work like I don't um it's yeah man it was hard though and like I have since then Jake Lasky Oh man, it was really rough to watch because he was getting increasingly unstable and like I'm watching this happen and like hey man, this guy's getting really volatile and then he did in fact eventually snap and stab somebody at a birthday party. He's now in custody. So, um I there you know, there was there was one point where he had posted on his Google Plus and it was like it was really um buried in there, like, you have to be, like, dedicated to this guy, you know, it's all these Nazis, you got to be dedicated, because, like, they make so much shit, and he, he had done do this, think, like, weird, what? Who's using Google Plus? I know, <laughs> right, he was on every goddamn platform, obnoxious. <laughs> God. but he, he had made this, like, pretty weird, like, rape fantasy, like, Really fucking disgusting thing, and I lost my taste for the entire thing. Like I, after that, I was like, I, I can't, like, for your own safety, for my yeah. own safety, and for my own emotional health. You know, like I'm a survivor, and it was like, so. But there, that's the thing is like, so the people who have the emotional fortitude to do this, I'm glad that they're doing it because not everybody does. I'm, I'm much more comfortable at this point being an on-the-ground community organizer and like working with other leftists and uh community members sort of face to face in like a meet space capacity. So <laughs> Yeah.
1: And there's there's a role for everyone. I think that's an important takeaway is that not every action is gonna be accessible to everyone and not every not every role is going to be palatable to everyone, but mm-hmm. there is something for everyone in this work.
0: Yeah, exactly. Totally. I think, you know, like I said, like even the even the um you know, there was an older a mother who was just like very liberal and she was very scared and I was talking to her at Knoxville and I was just saying like, thank you for coming out and not being paralyzed. Cause like your presence, even if all you're doing is here, like with a sign or even without a sign, just the fact that you showed up, like your presence is helping keep a lot of people safe. Cause we need numbers. You know what I mean? It's so, like yeah. if all you do is just like show up to a protest, like that is worth a lot. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you know,
1: sometimes, you know, um, like I've been, Obviously, going out of town alone to some of these actions, and you think like, what's one more person? Like, what does it matter if I drive nine hours to Nashville to 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 go as one person to this protest? But imagine if every one person felt that way. You know, every little bit counts, and every body counts.
0: Mm-hmm. Every if, every you know, body counts. If,
1: if not for the cops, we could take
0: those fuckers in a fair fight. <laughs> You know, it's like if you ever if you ever have to run away from cops, they're not super in shape necessarily.
1: <laughs> no,
0: they're really not. <laughs> All those donuts. God damn. God damn.
1: I do super hate the
0: cops. Oh, I fucking hate the police. Oh, I could not hate the police more. That's why I, I have to, you have to admit that heckling the cops there is just like a a real a selfish joy. <laughs>
1: Cops is self-care. I'm going to go on the
0: record. I have a, I have a friend who said yelling at cops is better than sex. <laughs> I have to yeah. say, I, I think he should be having better sex. But, like, I get the point. I don't know.
1: Sometimes, like, it's not even planned, but you just get, like, a really sick burnout. And you can see it land. You can see it in their face that it really landed. That's pretty good.
0: Oh, it's so good. Oh. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> God, I fucking hate the cops. Oh,
1: I mean, like. Oh, even even last night at city council, you know, they always have two armed cops in chambers in case we misbehave, and they're standing in front of the fucking door. They always block the exit like the big tough guys. Like this is this is just a, a, a civil proceeding. Like this is not, <laughs> you know. And you, I may or may not, I may or may not, have gently shoulder checked him and said, "You're blocking the exit." <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's the little things that get me by.
0: It is the little things. It's the, it is the little things. You gotta enjoy those moments of like, it was nice to see that cop almost cry. Gotta admit it.
1: That and you, nice. know, so honest, you know, to be honest, leaning a little bit on your privilege because it's, as a child sized blonde white woman, I don't pose a threat and it's not likely to overreact. I like, know that's not a pretty reality.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I have a pretty feminine voice, so like when I, I, I don't like generally look pretty agendered in block. Um, if I'm in like totally full block, which I try to do, um, but I have a girly voice. So <laughs> there's a moment when it's like, he was like, "Oh, Antifa. And then I like talk and they're like, <laughs> it's, it's, a girl. A girl.
2: <laughs> it's a girl, it's a girl, it's a girl.
0: So there's privilege, there's privilege wow. in that too. Cause like, people are still sort of like, and you know, it is patriarchal, but like less willing to fight a girl. It's like, come on, I could fucking totally take you. Like I said, I do, I do crab, Like, And you know what? Wait, need, no, needs only bend. It doesn't matter if you're a cop, needs only bend one way, motherfucker. I'm just saying. Am I going to get you know, in trouble for that? Should I edit that out? Is that? Nah. <laughs> I've
1: been sitting here thinking, like, how much of what I said could be used against me in court? But. I, but I mean, optics, optics is a bad word, right? But at the same time, I'm very aware that if it comes down to it, if a am going to punch somebody in the face, I'm okay with it being me as long as you get it on tape because that still looks so bad. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. You got to lean on that privilege where you can.
0: Yeah, and again, that was sort of like me going back to that bravado thing where it's like fighting a cop I could easily get killed, so it's like I you know, threatening to like take yeah. out a cop's knee. It's like, "Oh my god, it's all." And it's like, also just like Probably that's probably not ever ever gonna happen. You know what I mean? Like that's, you could, that's you not. You could
1: knock one of them down, but ten of them would shoot you.
0: Right. Exactly. So it's like that would probably not be a good thing for me to do. <laughs> but you know, it's good to dream. Yeah. <laughs> I know. You gotta dream. Well, it has in fact been an hour. Is there anything else? Um, is there is there anything else you want to talk about?
1: At least in Virginia, I don't know if this is the case everywhere. But in virginia the masking law um originated in anti-clan law so it was intended to keep the Klan from demonstrating with their hoods on and so over the summer you know we had an actual real life clan rally that's not hyperbole that's not a euphemism like the clan came and demonstrated in my town um, and several people were arrested and charged with masking and it wasn't the clan and it was you know, it was leftist protesters protesting the Klan, caught up in a law meant to entrap the Klan.
0: Right. Well, that's exactly that's exactly <laughs> what we were saying earlier. Is that any yeah. of these restrictive laws are going to be like inevitably used against the left instead of the right because the right is not actually a threat to the state. You yeah. know. But so. every
1: every affinity group needs um, a radical old civil rights lawyer. I mean, he's not going to hear this, but shout out to Jeff Vogel. Um, he is. He's incredible. He's this, like, 75-year-old man. He used to work at the Center for Constitutional Rights and at the ACLU, and he was a law professor for a while. Um, he came and talked to the DSA meeting a couple months ago. His, like, he's the most incredible past. I mean, he came up um, in his 20s. He worked at a radical law collective that paid the lawyers and the janitors all the same wage, and they defended young lords and Black Panthers for free. And Fuck yeah. he's just – he's incredible. And, you know, I go to court support to these people for masking and for obstruction and for getting thrown out of city council meetings. I spent a lot of time in court (laughs) and Jeff defends (laughs) defends a lot of these people and he's, he's good and he's radical and he's funny and he, he doesn't take shit and he makes fun of the
0: judge. And it's just, you know, it's, it's like a TV show except it's real and it's scary. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) it is fun. That's fun. There is a lot of entertaining stuff that happens, you know, like I think that, um, the the ability to keep it light and poke fun when you're under such like incredibly stressful situations. You know, I was talking in my one of my latest podcasts to the to a German who was saying a, a German anti fascist who was saying the same thing. Like it's strength of it shows strength of <laughs> mind to be able to not take yourself too seriously and not only does it show strength of the mind, it's incredibly important, you know. Yeah, because it'll
1: break you. I mean it's it's a lot.
0: Mm-hmm. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's Um. gonna fight the
1: state state and the right. It's not fair.
0: (laughs) It's not fair. God damn it. And it's just like, we're fighting for such basic shit. Like, this. Just stop killing us, I guess? Yeah, don't, please, like, please don't fucking murder us for no reason. That'd be great. That'd be great. And, like, don't let other people murder us for no reason. That would also be awesome. (laughs) People, liberals ask us all the time, why do you mask? Why do you mask? And it's like, there's so many reasons to mask. One, we look super cool. It does look very intimidating. It does. We look super rad. Although I have to say that, like, my crew is so pretty. It's kind of a damn shame. Um.
1: (laughs) Some of you do have very, very beautiful eyes, but I'll never see the rest of your face.
0: (laughs) um, But, you know, also it's like just so obsessed with the masking. It's like, because we really do get targeted by fascists.
1: Absolutely. I mean, a a girl in my chapter has had her tire slashed twice.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, like, probably one of the only reasons Jake Lasky and Wolves of Vinland didn't get me is because I didn't use my last name in that article and because I masked in the pictures. You know what I mean? That's smart. Yeah. That's smart. And, like, that's, that you have to, you really, it's, like, important to do that. I think there is sort of safety in being very public in some ways. Um, because then people know what's going on with you, and, like, so, like, I respect that, too. I feel like a lot of <laughs> activists of color are not interested in, in masking and are, like, more about being open and, like, visible, and I think that's really commendable. Um, but there are reasons that people choose to mask, and, like, that should be respected, too.
1: Absolutely. And I think, you know, I, I maybe realized too late that I should have been being more careful, and so instead of trying to go back and fix it, I feel like like half measures just sort of antagonize them and make them want want to get you you know I mean that seems, seems like a childish analysis of it But so uh, at this point it's sort of the um, you can't fire me I quit approach to doxing like here I am right here here's my face yep
0: yep and like that's so, you know that's also I, I think to regret that yeah I mean that's and that's um that's a thing yeah, I mean it's it's funny though because then you also get like specifically targeted because you are wearing a mask. Like at another uh, at a DACA rally a few weeks ago, um, we a guy in a car just like drove up to us and was like, "Take off your mask, pussy!" and we're just like, "Keep driving, keep driving!" and he squeals on the brakes, opens his arms like, "I got a gun!" and he like pulled, he like reaches over for Jesus. something, and it's, and you know, and so it's like now we're we're running from Nazis. Oh, uh, and 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 this is the stuff that they don't tell you is like. Um, we were actually really close to the car, so we'd get to the car, and I had pretty—I have a pretty new car, and we had an open milkshake, because we got milkshakes before the protest, and, like, and then we, like, so we, like, like, you know, peel out, and the milkshake spills all over, and it's like, man, they do not, this is, these are the things that they don't tell you, you about anti-fascist win. protesting. It's like, okay, note for the future, no open containers in your getaway car. <laughs> you just can't win. I know, and, like, it's really scary, because, like, dairy just does not come out. It really doesn't i know (laughs) yeah anyway um i think (laughs) (laughs) that's a lovely that's a lovely note to end on i think um and and now i want a milkshake but i will keep the lid on it just in case um yeah well thank you so much you were an incredibly awesome and entertaining um guest to have on i'm really glad that i met you in knoxville um, yeah, you. Yeah, hopefully we'll be working together again in the future. I'm sure we will.
1: I like coming out to Tennessee. I think you know folks, folks shit on the South and rural areas, but Tennessee radical.
0: Oh no, dude, I really like Tennessee. Like, I actually like. I'm, um, I'm, I'm really happy. I moved here. It's so funny. I don't know, just the South. People are rowdy as fuck, and I really enjoy it. <laughs>
1: they really are. I mean, I think my, you know, my, my southern rural comrades are much more radical than than the folks I know on the coast.
0: Mm-hmm, totally yeah there's a lot of pearl clutching and it was there was a lot of pearl clutching in Portland <laughs> so so we will surely meet again then. we will surely meet again all right thank you so much
1: um well, I put at the top of my nose to make it clear that um, I don't represent DSA both on the national or local level um, just just talking as myself as someone who organizes with that as an affinity group so um you know my my more radical politics don't necessarily represent my chapter or DSA national that's important to say
0: Um, I should say the same thing, it's like, I'm talking only for myself and not for any affinity group that I'm associated with.
2: For more information about Friendly Anarchism, you can visit my website, www.friendlyanarchism.org, where there are articles, resources on Quakers, radical Christianity, anarchism, and anti-fascism, a link to the store, and more. A big shout out to my patrons, your support means a lot. If you aren't a patron and you'd like to help keep the show going, you can go to www.patreon.com slash friendly anarchism. And for just $1 a month, get access to patron-only content like unedited versions of the show and outtakes. Friendly Anarchism is part of the Critical Mediations podcast network along with other great leftist podcasts like The Magnificast, Season of the Bitch, Revolutionary Left Radio, and others. I'm also part of Theology Corner, which is a project that explores different facets of Christianity. For more on radical Christianity, you can also check out the Friendly Fire Collective at www.friendlyfirecollective.wordpress.com. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a good review for me on iTunes. Hope you enjoyed the show. Thanks for listening and see you next time.